Okay, I have a question. We were actually talking about this recently in our group chat for a completely different reason, but it was about like what type of information like we're fed, like for Googling ladies or Googling topics because we what speak- What type of info I eat? Yeah. Correct. Um, like we speak English, so we're going to get English sources. So predominantly mm -hmm. US, UK, Ireland- those type of situations. That's why we cover uh, a lot of like US and UK people yes. is what we were talking I about. I kept coming Angle into that problem so much. So much in this category for this being in the cooking really? chef area. Yes. And maybe yeah. that was like my parameters. Like I wanted to do, I wanted Italian food because that's like some of my favorites. So I was thinking like Renaissance, maybe Rome, but really thinking Italy because I love Italian food. So mm -hmm. for the Renaissance, yes, it was all men. It was like three men that they, we actually had like literature on. So that was just like, sure. no, could not do that. Very little on like actual women in just the area of realm of cooking. And then for like Greek and Rome, there are gods and goddesses that are in relationship to food. But it just like wasn't sticking with like what I wanted or what I envisioned the story to go. So when I would type in like famous historical figures and I would just like filter out the men, I kept getting like current, like alive. And it was like top chefs. And I tried like putting it for India, Italy, Ecuador, Cuba, like all different countries, Latin America, Middle East, like trying really broad strokes. And it would all be like, in the past 2022 like or chefs to look out for yeah the lists end up technically usually being very modern though too so it's like good exactly yeah. this modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women Hello and welcome to Lady History, the good, the bad, and the ugly ladies you missed in history class. Hey Lexi, are you hungry? Always. And Haley, what are you having for dinner? Leftovers. And I'm Alana, and fed is best. Alice Babette Toklas was an American woman of Polish-Jewish ancestry who was born in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Alice was ethnically Jewish, but did not actively participate in the religion in any way. After her mother passed away, Alice served as a housekeeper for her male relatives. It was at this point she had realized she had no desire to be a traditional wife, and she also was totally attracted and into women. Seeking escape from her life, she then moved to London and eventually Paris in 1903. So why do we know so much about this woman, Alice? Well, she was probably Gertrude Stein's girlfriend, but because history is history, she is often recorded as Gertrude's housekeeper. She cooked, helped Gertrude type manuscripts, and worked as her personal secretary, which sounds like a housewife to me, but um, 
the house they shared served as a salon for many of the artists and authors living and working in Paris at the time. She was a friend of F. Scott Fitzgerald, but she distrusted Hemingway, who she felt was trying to steal her girl. And he very well may have been. Gertrude often wrote about Alice and even published her own biography from Alice's perspective. So it's kind of sold as Alice's biography, but in reality, it's like what Alice thought about Gertrude. The couple were both of Jewish descent, um, but survived World War II in France and managed to continue their life after that. After Gertrude passed away, Alice published her own book, a cookbook, which compiled recipes beloved by Gertrude and Alice's famous friends from the Paris avant-garde scene. The book also served as a sort of memoir with anecdotes from the couple's lives. One controversial recipe for hashish fudge made with Moroccan cannabis made the book rather infamous. During her lifetime, Alice claimed to have included the recipe inadvertently when asked about it. The originator of the recipe was her friend, Brian Jason. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. A fellow avant-garde artist who provided Alice with the recipe when she was in a time crunch and really needed a few more recipes to flush out her book before the publisher's deadline. Of the recipe, Alice wrote, this is the food of paradise of Baudelaire's artificial paradises, it might provide an entertaining refreshment for ladies' bridge clubs or a chapter meeting of the Dar. And um, so now you can all picture a group of Daughters of the American Revolution, which is what Dar stands for, high out of their minds, off this shit, doing whatever it is that they do. While the fudge itself contained no chocolate, it is often credited as the inspiration of the first hash brownie. And even if it did not inspire the first one, it sure did popularize edibles in mid-century America. Alice passed away in 1967 and is buried in Paris next to her girlfriend, Gertrude. So I was the one who suggested this category because I really wanted to do pastry chefs. But I am the absolute worst and I did not pick a pastry chef. I actually picked the lady herself who invented omelets because I thought it was hysterical that there is such a story behind, of course, like a very, very honorable food. It's just that it, you didn't know this fun fact about me. I'm very, so highly allergic to eggs that I can't even touch an egg. I have not eaten an omelet, sunny side up, scrambled, nothing. Like I try not to even sit next to people sometimes when they're eating eggs to make sure it just doesn't even touch my skin or my food. So reading about this was honest to God, one of the most interesting stories ever because I learned how to make an omelet through this story. Something so completely basic and I might sound so naive, but it just emphasized the point that eggs are truly just not in my scope. I rarely even have eggs in the house because my partner doesn't even want the idea of an egg getting that close to me. So I had to do this story. So Annette or Anne Odalette Pollard, not the pastry chef, but creator of the omelette or otherwise known as Omeletta de la Mère Pollard, Mother Pollard, as she was so commonly known as in France in her little village, but we'll get to that. 
is who we're telling the story of today. I'm really excited because this is just, it was genuinely such a fun story to research about and such a cool lady. So Anne was born on April 15th, 1851 in Nevers, France. It's spelled as like Nevers in English. Totally probably not pronounced like that. Again, I don't know a lick of French. So we're just going to be rolling, vibing, butchering some words. Her parents, Claude and Marie, were market gardeners. Food was, of course, in the family bloodline, if you will. And she somewhat followed in those footsteps when she started kind of working in the food industry as a maid for a chief architect in the area. Okay, that's a really big stretch, but it's fine. She goes really back into the food industry with the omelets, so just bear with me. And around this time of working as a maid, she also met Victor Pollard, a baker's son. Food. Love it. And they got married on January 14th, 1873. In married bliss, the two started an inn or hostel that was the safe haven for uh, many pilgrimages, pilgrims, and the increasing number of tourists coming to the French countryside. And the location of the inn made it so when you finish traveling, a lot of the descriptions were like, you were tired, you were sweaty, you were just wet from the environment. Like very like, I don't want to say hostile, but hostile environment if you get the pun. And I kept telling myself, I'm like, well, there are no flights, there are no cars. So you're just like walking, backpacking at its finest. Yeah, sure. Like you need somewhere like to rest those barking dogs, if you will. And for Anne, she had this mindset that she wanted to be someone who took care of those people and like created this really safe space, which is what we want in every hotel, if if you will, like a bed and breakfast, like that mindset, kind of like relating it to something that we can connect to. Honestly, what a lady, what a grand lady. And that one of those conclusions was, the omelet and they were cooked in these huge wooden hearths which made it so Annette could make a ton really really fast and since this was like the late 1800s I'm gonna assume eggs weren't at the 2023 inflation rates because why not I'm assuming I'm imagining in my head right now that Annette has all her chickens, her husband and her attending to these chickens, or she gets it from the local market, a la Beauty and the Beast, and just magic. Magic in the French countryside. People loved the omelet so much, and I can confidently say, like I said in my little intro, that I've never had one. But I love a food group that can be nourishing, has the minimal cleanup, can be made really quickly, and you know what? Over time, you add cheese. I yeah, you add cheese, and cheese is great. I do love cheese. I'm a lover of cheese. So you've won me over there. And this is one of the creations that she just five stars all the way for her. But also putting Annette on the map was just how she treated people. Like I said, she started creating the omelet with the sole drive of wanting to make a comfortable place for people. And that's where she got the title of honorary mother. And going kind of back to the omelet, so, and her title of honorary mother, the omelets itself were kind of like souffles in the great 
French fashion, runny in the middle and the texture being light with the egg being a firm. A description, I have no idea if that makes sense or not. So if it doesn't, um, please let me know. I would glad, I like, I'm actually really genuinely interested. It's just something that like I physically cannot ever like do a scientific experiment on. So I love people talking about eggs. And it was cooked slowly at first and finished off at high heat. So doing this preparation and doing it so much, at so much growth, this honorary mother could not keep up. So she actually employed some other staff to help, but it was very minimal. And it's really specific why, and I get to that reason. And I would like to point out on like some sort of tangent on eggs is a lot of these notes that were talking about like how to make the omelet, they were saying that the people like who are making these omelets, whether it be Annette or one of her staff, they would separate the egg yolk and the egg whites and in my head, that's something really difficult to do and like time consuming. And maybe it's not. And maybe that's one of those things that like those TV seen on TV products like for the kitchen just created. So consumerism and it's not actually a problem. But regardless, Annette and her full team of kitchen are cranking out these um, omelets. People are coming not only just to stay at her inn as a safe haven, a place to relax, place to go as tourist season but somewhat also for these omelets and on a very wholesome note I found out that her hospitality style was that if visitors could not pay for whatever reason she would tell them to come back and pay then like next time you're back just bring that money that you owe me like don't worry about it or she would go by the barter system like accepting paintings for food and I think the barter system is great I love that I'm on that side of social media now. I really kind of want to get involved in some capacity. But some jerks did take advantage of her, which this did hurt the hotel, but she was quoted saying, quote, if I collected all the money owed to me, I'd have an employee, a cashier, who I would have to pay, accommodate, and that wouldn't have helped, end quote. It was said that if she had enough money to get by and the hotel to get by, then she was happy and just had no complaints. And in that quote, she was kind of saying that like, if I really cared about how much money, I would have to hire someone to like essentially care for me. Like I don't have the physical capabilities of doing that myself. And if I do hire an employee, that might be making me lose more money because I have to pay and like watch over this employee at the same time. Anywho, Annette and her husband ultimately retired in 1920, and they moved into a cute little house on top of the hill of Mont Saint-Michel, and she passed away about 11 years later in 1931. So the Mayor Pollard guest house at Mount Saint-Michel is actually still a three-star hotel and restaurant, and I saw many articles end with like, you can still go see it, blah, 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 like, it's still alive and well almost a hundred years after her death but well like over a hundred years since it started of course being in the 1800s early 1900s and then over a hundred years because it's 2023 and she retired in 1920 so just 
wow, I do want to actually go to visit France. I know that's like you're thinking to yourself, Haley, if you're really allergic to eggs, that's not the place for you. And I know I've been to France before, got sick every single day, but I've never been outside of Paris. And I have so many museums on my list and just areas in like south of France that I want to go to. So I think if I squeeze this in, um, everything will be better. And I just won't get an omelet. I'll get a coffee. There is a lot of legend around the invention of chocolate chip cookies. Um, and so this is kind of just one of them. This is the story of the woman who kind of invented, but definitely popularized the chocolate chip cookie as we know it today. Ruth Graves was born June 17, 1903, a Gemini like Haley, in Massachusetts. She attended Framingham State Normal School, which, as I have mentioned on the show before, a normal school is where teachers go to learn how to teach. Uh, she studied in the Department of Household Arts, which I think is probably the best way to phrase that, like mm, domestic labor, household arts. I love it. After graduating in 1924, she started teaching high school home ec and worked as a hospital dietitian. Two years later, she married a meatpacking exec named Kenneth Wakefield and became Ruth Graves Wakefield. In 1930, Ruth and her husband opened the Toll House Inn on Bedford Street in Whitman, Massachusetts. Uh, and Bedford Street was and potentially is a major toll road between Boston and Cape Cod, uh, hence the name Toll House Inn. At the Toll House Inn, Ruth kind of set the menu and did all the cooking based largely on her grandmother's recipes. Toll House Inn became especially famous for their desserts, including their chocolate cookies. Basically, the legend goes that one day Ruth and her assistant were experimenting with different flavors of cookie and they ran out of baker's chocolate and decided to use semi-sweet Nestle chocolate bars instead, which notably she had to chip by hand. The chocolate itself didn't absorb into the dough the way baker's chocolate does, so there were chunks of chocolate throughout the cookie and it was a huge success. A huge success to the point that in World War II, soldiers who were from Massachusetts would write home specifically requesting these Toll House cookies. As far as inventing chocolate chip cookies, Ruth was far from the first, uh, but the way I look at it is kind of like Shakespeare. Like, of course, Shakespeare didn't invent all the words that we give him credit for. Like, how else would his audience have known what he was talking about? These words were already kind of used commonly, but Shakespeare wrote them down and cemented their use. So did Ruth invent chocolate chip cookies? No, but her recipe is by far the most popular and the most well-known. Further legend has it that Ruth sold the rights to the recipe to Nestle for a dollar and free chocolate for life, as well as a permanent consulting position with the company, which she was probably paid for as well. And this was actually around when Nestle started selling something similar to what we would think of as chocolate chips, specifically because Nestle Toll House cookies were becoming so popular. Ruth's recipe, by the way, can be found in the show notes under further learning, as well as a link to purchase her cookbook, Ruth Wakefield's Tried and True Recipes, which can be yours for the low, low price of 256 British pounds. You can find this podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Lady History Pod. Our show notes, a transcript of this episode. I didn't say the word and. <clears throat> you can find this podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Lady History Pod. Our show notes and a transcript of this episode will be on ladyhistorypod.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or follow us on Patreon. And if you don't like the show, Keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Instagram at post.elect.ism. 
Our theme music is by me, Garage Band, and Amelia Earhart. All three of us are doing a little bit of editing this week. You will not see us, and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. Next time on Lady History, we're taking a spring break, if you will. But when we're back, it's going to be some dancing ladies up in here. Cue all the ABBA music. <laughs>